Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port here on 970 WDAY and 93.1 FM. I'm uh, I'm back, although now Natil's off till Wednesday. Mike Cappell sitting in producer. Mike, how's it going? Very good. Yeah, she said something about a couple more days away from you. Yeah, yeah. So she's... Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> so she's I hiding. Have, I have that sort of a personality. <laughs> you, you do bring out some interesting feelings in people, Rob. I, I do. Um uh, I, I don't know. That's just who I am, I guess. Which I find uh, funny because as somebody who knows you, you're not you're not like that at all. You're a very yeah. nice guy. We have a lot of great conversations about all kinds of things. So. I, I think I am a nice guy. You know, our, our boss, Bill Marcel, they did that profile about me not yep. that long ago. A couple weeks ago, it, yep. Yeah. And um, he called me misunderstood. <laughs> and I, I wasn't sure how to take that. Our, 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 our boss, Bill Marcel <laughs> Jr., obviously <laughs> CEO of the of the company. Um yeah, when I the guy signing your checks is talking about you like that, that yeah. it's, you get a different feeling from it for, yeah. for sure. <laughs> like a, oh, he's just misunderstood. Okay. <laughs> well, understand me that everything I say is what I actually believe, and if it makes you mad, oh, I don't care that much. 701-293-9000, your call-in numbers, email talk at WDAY.com. Coming up a little bit later on the program, we're going to have uh, uh, North Dakota University System Chancellor Mark Hagerot on the program. Uh, he wants to talk a little bit about what our inst- uh, institutions of higher education in North Dakota are doing uh, to fill cyber jobs. Um, I don't know that this is something, I, I, I think this is something, you know, you'll hear the politicians blab about a little bit, you'll see press releases about I'm not sure that this is something a lot of people understand. I, I think this is important to the state in, in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I think, for one thing, it's 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 an emerging industry, particularly with things like uh, the, the UAS, the the drone program up at the University of North Dakota. Um, I, I think there's a lot of things going on. I think it's also good for the long-term interests of, of our state, right? I, I mean, particularly now. We just got an object lesson in how important it is to have a diversified economy, given the last budget cycle we just went through. Right, oil prices went in the went in the tank, and the result was plummeting revenues for the state of North Dakota because our state is in the thrall of commodity prices. Right, and by the way, it wasn't just plummeting oil prices; it was plummeting crop prices too. North Dakota is an industrial state. Agriculture is great. Energy is great. I don't think we ever want those things to go away. The thing is, we need more, and we need stuff that's different. So that if one area is having, you know, a slowdown or some problems or whatever, we got other areas to keep us going. Um, and I, I think that's part of what the universities are doing. Anyway, we'll we'll talk with the chancellor about that uh, coming up. Plus your phone calls and emails. And um, Mike, I, I have spent all morning trying to catch up on what's going on. Uh, what's been going on? I I unplugged completely, which is unusual for me because I don't usually I've got, you know, I'm out doing my stuff, but I still got one eye on my phone mm-hmm. reading, you know, social media or reading my news feeds or whatever. And I unplugged completely. No Facebook, no Twitter, no social media, no feeds, no news, nothing. How did it feel? Because you're a felt- news junkie. It's, it, it's not only what you do. You love it. Right. I mean, you enjoy it. It was equal parts relaxing and also anxiety-inducing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you would have those moments where you would just zone out, and you, you know, you're reading a book or you're watching a movie or something, or, or you're, you're doing something fun, and then, and then you, you know, you hear like a news report or something, and you're like, oh, what's going on with that, right? Yeah, and, and it, it wants to lure you back. So, I, I mean, it's, it's hard. 
I love my job. You know, I, it doesn't feel like work for me. I mean, it, it's almost like muscle memory. It's just what I do. So it was hard not to want to reach for my phone and just read the news first thing in the morning. But mm-hmm. it was also nice. I was I was feeling a little bit burned out. I'll admit it. Heading in, you know, we went from. You know, for for me, I mean, it's been a year and a half, the election and then the pipeline thing and then the legislative session mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks before vacation. I was I was burned out. I needed some time away. Well, that's good. Did it refresh you? You feel good now? I'm You're feeling better? good. I'm feeling good. I went and saw that Dunkirk with my dad, that new movie out about the um, about the World War Two. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't even re- I, I get, it was a battle, but I, I don't I don't know that American audience. This is one criticism I have of the film. It's a World War Two film. Yep. And at this point, you would think we're starting to run out of World War II stories to tell, right? I mean, there's been so many movies about this and mm-hmm. so many books and everything else and History Channel retrospectives and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the Battle of Dunkirk, I, I think especially for American audiences, is is pretty fresh. Because you got to remember, this is happening in 1940. Um, Pearl Harbor didn't even happen until, what, 1942? Right? It was 41. Was December 41? 7, 1941. Almost 1942. You're right. Okay, yeah, that's right. 1941. Um you know, so I mean, it's 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 about a year and a half before Pearl Harbor. Um, you know, it's it's several years before D Day. I mean, this is this is before the American involvement. The British almost lost their army, right? They deployed hundreds of thousands of soldiers to France to try to beat back the Germans. Instead, the German Blitzkrieg pushed them back to the sea, and they had to evacuate hundreds of thousands of soldiers from the beaches of Dunkirk and get them across the English Channel back home. Or they were going to lose their their army. It was so bad they were. The British government was considering discussing terms of surrender mm. with with Germany. Wow. So it was a fantastic movie. It was very very good. Um, I think for American audiences, you're going to need a little bit of context to understand what's going on because they don't really do a lot to, to set up. You know, I, I think British audiences, for which this history is is probably a little bit more central to their involvement in World War II. I think they're they're probably going to appreciate that a little bit more, but but for Americans, I think we probably needed a little more context, a little more setup. Um, but it well, was amazing. I mean, they actually hundreds of thousands. They couldn't. They had German U-boats sinking ships. They had um, the Luftwaffe, you know, patrolling the English Channel. Um, you know, so I mean, they're, they're trying to get all these soldiers off. The Germans are sinking ships left and right. And the way they ended up doing it, they actually conscripted like sailboats and pleasure craft, like a whole vast fleet of them to cross the english channel and to pick up hundreds of thousands of soldiers and bring them back you know regular citizens risking their lives unbelievable story well it's a different take like you said for any western audience on world war ii because every world war ii movie i've ever seen ends up usually with the americans on top you know for whatever part of the war it was it was the americans uh, weren't even a part of this yeah exactly and that's the thing and not only a to see uh the americans not be in it and then b have it be allied forces you know, basically retreating. But did you see some of the controversy coming out? I wouldn't say maybe controversy, but some of the thoughts from uh, of uh, foreign countries on this movie. Have you seen some of that? I I, I saw a head, and again, I'm in catch up mode. But mm-hmm. I have I have seen I saw the French yeah. weren't terribly pleased with it. No, because they feel, and I don't know enough about the story, Rob. So maybe you can fill in the blanks. But they feel like they're part of it. Because uh, I, I guess they were doing their part to keep the Germans at bay. They were fighting a rearguard yep. action. Yeah, I mean, basically give, they were they yeah. were holding the Germans at bay. Yeah, and, and that, I think that goes into my criticism of not putting the story in context, right? Mm-hmm. Because the movie is showing we're showing that the soldiers on the beach, 
and we're showing what a desperate, ugly situation that was, right? I mean, because they're they're basically they're on they're stuck on this beach. They're getting strafed by British aircraft or by uh, excuse me German aircraft. Uh, their boats are getting sunk by U-boats. I mean, it was a terrifying situation, but they didn't really tell the story of why they were there, mm-hmm. why they were pinned down on this beach. And I think the French involvement, where they are are, are courageously fighting this this rear guard act to hold the Germans off long enough so that they could escape. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a valid criticism. That should have been part of the story. Now, is this bef- now is this kind of the end of of France in terms of the entire country falling, or or did the yeah. French hold some of the country during the war? I thought the entire country was under German. Yeah, I, I mean there, there were there was, you know, we talk about the resistance right now mm-hmm. under Trump. The original resistance was the French resistance to, to Germany, and there were certainly pockets of resistance throughout the German occupation, as, as you would expect. You know, for any any, I mean, you would say, okay, yeah, France was occupied by Germany, but obviously there were some areas where German control was more. They had more control than others, I, I guess, maybe is the way to say. So yeah, the, the French, you know, there were elements of the French that never gave up, um, and and the French resistance is a whole, you know, very heroic story mm-hmm. that we could go into probably another time. But th- this movie wasn't about that. Th- this was about you know the evacuation from Dunkirk, after which Churchill gave that. That famous uh, radio speech, you know, we will never surrender. We will never give up. Um, you know, we will fight them on the beaches. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I don't remember it all. but anyway. I, And I don't think it was a resistance as much as it was a resistance. Yeah. Well, yeah. well I wasn't even going to attempt the accent because I can't do accents. It's more of a though, Mike. resistance. You should, take, you should take that act on the road. That was good. I think I'll work on that. Let's take a break. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Port here on 970 WDAY. So I think we've established Dunkirk's a pretty good movie. Um, also, if, if you're interested in, in more about it, because it, while it's a good movie, I, I think it, it does... There's more context. Is going. If, if I can make a recommendation, uh, The Miracle of Dunkirk, it's a book... Uh, it's by uh, author na- uh, by the name of uh, Walter Lord. Very, very good. Um, he he has a, a lot of interviews with with survivors and, and participants in that. Um, and and it anyway, very good book, very good movie. If, if you've got the time, go see it. And that's um, in addition, Mike. You know mm-hmm. what we did with the restaurant? We uh, we went to Medora. How long were you out there? Uh, we were out there for about four days. Okay. Do you, was, do you guys get out into the park while you're out there? You yeah, just we did. Hang we, out we, hit, we hit Theodore Roosevelt National Park. Uh, we did the Chateau de Moray. Uh, and then we did uh, the musical, of course, and, mm-hmm. and then did, you know, downtown and all the shops and all that stuff. It, it, it is so – it's been a few years since I've been out there. It is so great out there. I actually, I ended up writing a column about it, you know, because I'm, I'm sort of the, the grumpy conservative, don't, don't really like government or whatever. Um, we should put some oil, more oil derricks up out there, right, Rob? Drill, baby, drill. I, I have no problem at all with putting up oil derricks on mm-hmm. all the private property, and and I think we ought to, um, you know, if if there's if there's reserves under the park, we ought to go for them. You know, I, I don't have a problem with developing the land. That said, uh, the federal parks, the state parks, are a place where the government really gets it right. Um, I don't think that I've had a bad experience in a national park. Um, other than almost, I almost got gored by a buffalo once at Yellowstone. Oh, please! You got to share. You can't just drop that and not share the that's story. That's not. I don't think that's anybody's fault. Yeah, we were, were you trying actually, to take a picture, or what were you doing? Well, we we had actually we had stopped, and it was it, it was a it was like the, I think it was called like the paint kettles or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was it, you know some of like the um you know the, the hot hot water springs and then like the rocks were pretty colors anyway you, you parked and then you had to walk down this trail you know a quarter mile or a half mile or something like that and then you got back there well we were walking back and there weren't a lot of people around uh and there was a buffalo we turned the corner and there was a, a buffalo just right there um maybe 10 feet it, it is possible if i hadn't been looking down the trail when we turned the corner i could have walked into the buffalo wow that's how close it was um that was a little bit unnerving now it didn't like it didn't like run at us or anything thank goodness did but it snort at you or anything it, it did we startled it a little bit i mean it was scary i mean anytime mm-hmm. something that big is just right there there's no way that that chubby rob is outrunning the buffalo <laughs> right down the down anywhere so you know we were uh we were very lucky there um but no, i i've just never had a bad experience and, and also not just the federal parks because because teddy roosevelt national park is obviously a federal park but the state parks too mm-hmm. are, are just great that the state historical society runs the chateau de more um obviously it's i mean there's there's a there's a great history there about you know the 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 western ranching communities and, and stuff like that and that's all great but they also had at the museum a um a presentation on this the ccc the civilian conservation corps which was very very interesting very well done the staff was all extremely helpful um so i so i don't know i mean if, if this if this critic of of government if, if my endorsement is worth anything um the state historical society the the, the state parks the, the 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 national park system um they do a good job they really do i have never had a bad experience i think they do a wonderful job uh i you know i i, I think that's all money well spent so when you cruise through i mean you get out do you do some hiking in the badlands or you just kind of like to drive through and check it out what do you what do you enjoy doing out in the outdoors there yeah, well, we, we, you know, we like getting out of the car and we like hiking around a little bit. We didn't do a ton of it because it was when we, we rented a camper in Bismarck and we pulled it over there. When we were between, between Dickinson and Medora, we hit a spot where it was 107. Ooh. It yeah. was, it was hot. So I'll tell you, we didn't do a lot of hiking because I don't it was blame 107. You. Yeah, that's a I'm, little, that's a little much. I'm just getting into walking again. Uh, well, walking again. Like walking <laughs> for exercise. Yeah. <laughs> walking for exercise. Mike, listen to this. I have lost 33 pounds over the last. Shut three up! Months. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Congratulations! You, I have not heard you speak about this yet. Well, so. you know, I don't know. I, I haven't shared a lot about it, but it's you know, because I, I always I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. You know, I've I've had a lot of false starts with yeah. that sort of thing. Oh, I, past, hey, so. look, man, I I battle the bulge just like you do, my friend. So so yeah. I know I'm 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 literally just starting again today after. Because I was doing good in June, then Fourth of July hit, and then there was like, we were barbecuing and we were moving stuff out of our basement. You just fall off the wagon very easily. So what? So in addition to walking, what what have been the big changes? You know, really, it's just it's uh, walking every day. Mm-hmm. How, and, how and long I'm, are you I'm, trying to walk, Rob? What are you trying to get? Well, I, I'm doing about I'm doing about an hour. Okay, and and I'm getting about four miles out of that. That's pretty good. It's, That's yeah, a good I'm doing clip. that. I'm doing that pretty much every day. You go around the neighborhood. You got a track you go uh, to. There, we do, I, I do. There's some walking trails around mine, and I hit those sometimes. Okay. You know, especially the ones through the trees when it's so hot. And so you, you know, get some hills up there, don't you? That helps we do. too. See, it's yeah. so flat here because when you do the hills, you definitely get the heart rate up a little bit more for sure. Yeah. So I'm doing that, and then it's not so much I'm watching what I eat, but just how much, right? So, mm-hmm. and I, eventually, I'd, I'd like to like do more of a diet component to this, but mostly it's just. I'm just not going to eat as much. So I'm, I'm trying to really, okay, I, I feel full now. I'm just going to stop. Mm-hmm. Just just those two things, that's what I've done so far. Did and you cut out? Like, I mean, are you, like, backing off on, were you a pop drinker? Yeah, I was. I switched from Coke to Coke Zero. Okay. 
That's you know? a good start. So, a few things, you know, and, and the thing is, is I'm, I'm, I'm afraid if I try to do too much all at once that I'm not going to stick with it, right? I'm going to get sick of it, and then I'm going to fall off the wagon. That's a good whatever. approach, though. Yeah, you can't give it all up right away. It gets very difficult. And I'm feeling pretty good about, you know, 33 pounds so far. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a small child you were lugging around. Not yeah. anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> feeling pretty good about that. All right, so we're going to talk higher ed next. Chancellor uh, Mark Hagerot's coming on. If you've got comments or questions, you can certainly call in, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, or email me, talk at WDAY.com. I'm Rob Port. You're listening to 970 WDAY and 93.1 FM. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Port here on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. We uh, turn now to our discussion with uh, North Dakota University System Chancellor Mark Hagerot. If you want to join in, 701-293-9000, toll-free, 888-970-9329, or email talk at WDAY.com. Chancellor Hagerot, how are you? Well, Rob, thanks for – I'm doing well, and thanks for having me. Are you enjoying your summer so far? Yeah, it's been a little on the hot side, uh, you yeah. know, but uh, I was out uh, swapping uh, – for my dad, so I was back uh, being a teenager again in about 90-degree weather. But that was okay. Brought back memories. Yeah, well, that's good. That, that'll keep you in shape, too, that 90-degree. Yeah. That, that, that'll just sweat all the bad stuff right out of you. That's right. Right. So, all right, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit. When when you when, – since, since you've been hired on as chancellor, one thing that you like to return to over and over again is the technology aspect of things. And I, I think that this is really important, talking about – you know, obviously, I think what gets most of the public's attention right now is the, the UAS program up at the University of North Dakota. But that's by no means the extent of what North Dakota's universities are doing in in this area. I think it's a little important. I think sometimes when I talk to people in the public, you know, it's like they, they think it's nice and they sort of golf clap it. But it's it's I, I think the public perception a lot of times is that some of this stuff's a little bit pie in the sky. Today, I, I wanted to talk with you about. The specifics of some of this stuff. How is this making a difference? Because I think it's important for our state in a number of ways. I mean, first of all, a, there's demand for, for instance, UAS. I mean, there's going to be jobs openings. There's going to be demand for people to work in those industries. And I think it behooves North Dakota to, to strive to, to, to fill that gap. But also, I, in just in terms of diversifying our economy, which is a, a sort of generational struggle we've had here in North Dakota, not to downplay the importance of agriculture or, or, or energy, but just to say we need to add more to this pie uh, to be a more successful, more resilient sort of state. So tell us, what's going on in this front? I mean, what, 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 what's happening? Yeah, well, thank you again. Uh, I just actually returned from uh, a national conference of chancellors around the country and uh, gave a talk on some of this stuff. And uh, the governor uh, was just at the National Governors Conference, and the main topic were the things we're talking about right here. Uh, and to put it in, in, in perspective for um, your listeners, what is happening in advanced technology is as big as what happened to our great-grandparents when they went from the horse and the plow, which when the Hagarots homesteaded, that's what they broke the field, to uh, human and machines on combines and airplanes and whatnot. What we're having now is a massive technology event of just like you talked about, unmanned systems, but also cyberspace uh, and the emergence of entire economies that are worked through cyberspace. You think about Amazon. Amazon has been a pie-in-the-sky thing for years, and what is it doing now? It's driving retail, 
maybe Sears and Pennies and others are going to go under because of Amazon. Uh, on the robotics, it's becoming so big, it becomes the topic of the National Governors Conference. And Secretary Chow flies in here from transportation to ask us how North Dakota can help protect uh, the transportation system uh, in the robotics field. So these are really big events. And North Dakota started working on uh, parts of this before I got here. So I just want to be sure to give credit uh, to the visionaries, you know, on the UAS program. North Dakota was the first approved test center in the United States. That was Senator Hoban leading that as both the governor and then a senator and the people up at uh, the Odegaard School. And so we have, a, I'd say we have a head start in that area, and, uh, and UND is continuing to lead that uh, for the North Dakota system. We're trying to be uh, efficient and share uh, different responsibilities. So North Dakota was approved by the Board of Higher Ed a few months ago, and their Research Institute of Autonomous Studies was established at that point to take us to the next level of a very rapidly developing field. Um, the other area is cyberspace and cybersecurity. If I can be so blunt, but North Dakota, by some rankings uh, out of Cybercom, were in the bottom uh, six in the nation, um, like a research center for how to cybersecure our networks uh, and our people. And so we got a lot of catching up to do there, and that's being led by NDSU at the four-year level, research level, Minot, uh, Paul Laurie up in uh, where you are, doing great work. And then at the community college level, uh, BSC is the state lead for two-year certificates and uh, degrees in cybersecurity. So that's the two broad categories, cyberspace and um, UAS. Tell me, let, let's drill down on this because, I mean, this uh, this all sounds good and and. and... I, I, I think I think the people in North Dakota, Minnesota, we're, we're, we're listening to this stuff. We're, we're seeing this stuff all the time in the headlines. Obviously, it's almost old news. I mean, we know that Amazon is revolutionizing the delivery of, of, of retail services. We know a lot of this stuff's going on. We know all about hacking. I mean, obviously, we just went through an election where, where hacking was was a very big part of, of the issue. What I, I, I think, though, what does this mean, though, for, for the North Dakota, A, for, for the North Dakota taxpayer who is, you know, spending money to, to support these institutions, uh, you know, what, what is being delivered here for them? And more importantly, what is being delivered for, for the students? I mean, for, for kids who are listening to this, who are thinking, I might go to NDSU, I might go to UND, I might go to Wapaden, I might go to Devil's Lake, I mean, wherever they're going to go, what does this mean for students who are thinking about entering the North Dakota University system? What's, what's being delivered here? Right. Well, and again, you usually drill right to the, 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 the key thing. So thank you for asking that. So on your first part of your question, <clears throat> so it's kind of three parts. On UAS, um, the leaders of North Dakota were very strategic, including the legislature on this, and gave seed money to get this thing going. And now we have major tenants. I'm talking about international companies, Northrop Grumman, uh, General Atomics, Harris, and a leading Israeli company in the business park up there. And one of the key things is we have a test center and a university uh, in close proximity. Um, on the UAS thing, the other thing that is developing <clears throat> that um, we had – Three dozen experts around the world come to meet in North Dakota because in an emerging field, uh, and you being up in mind, I can relate to this, emerging field is counter-autonomy, meaning how do you stop the enemy's autonomous systems? And the, President Trump has signed an executive order to his government saying, begin to research on this. So it's an emerging business opportunity, and North Dakota is one of several states now um, with a task force set up by the governor. Um, meeting with the Department of Defense to do research here in North Dakota, probably both Minot and at UND. So UAS, real companies, real jobs, 
and, um, and in both these fields. Now, to the students under UAS, North Dakota had the first uh, online and first degree in the country uh, on UAS operations. Because <clears throat> right now, you know, we don't want to trust the machines to just go off completely, though we do have permission to test beyond horizon. So we now have a degree program at UND. If a student listening wants to get into that, just go to their website and they can find that. So real companies, real business coming in, real demand for labor and research. Uh, and in fact, we got one of the first research grants from Rockwell Collins to how to defend infrastructure against uh, robotic attack. And this is science fiction stuff for these kids. They can be part of That's Pragash Raghunathan. Shifting your gear to the other part, cyberspace, um, the kids get it. The young people get it. Um, Nick C. at Bismarck State and Larry Scogan took a plunge. They got no money from anybody. They did this out of their own budget. They filled up the first semester, 55 students in their cybersecurity program, and we need to go faster. Um, and we got to think about what other people need from industry. Uh, at the four-year level, uh, they've expanded cybersecurity certificates that will be joint between Minot, UND, and NDSU. Uh, so it's a real innovation, a joint master certificate for adult learners. But then the younger students are pouring in to the computer science cyber programs. What uh, Ken Nygaard tells me, they're full up immediately. He has to expand the program. I've already been talking to President Brashani of how they can go faster and with some uh, philanthropists and business people. So the young people get it. Unmanned systems, robotic-type job degrees, and cybersecurity, where there's a huge shortage in our state. National Guard has been selected by the Defense Department to help defend the upper Midwest. They have a severe shortage of North Dakota kids going into this. Well, that's it's 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 fascinating, and it's and it's emerging. There was a there was a listener who who asked a question off off air, and I, I thought it was sort of interesting. And it, it, just to sum up what they were asking. Is there a concern? I, I think everything that you're saying is great, but I, I, I think that is there a concern that we could have too much focus on this? Because there's a lot of areas where we're looking at four-year, you know, completion rates at NDSU and UND that are about a quarter. You know, we're looking at six-year completion rates that are about 50%. There's a lot of areas, I think, for improvement in what the university system is already doing. Is there a concern that, that we're going to be chasing the glittery new thing and forget about the areas we could we could improve in, in maybe more traditional areas of study? No, that's a fair question, and we'd have to do that, too. Um, uh, and that's probably a different conversation, but um, we aren't happy with our graduation rates. We want to have the highest uh, retention in the country. Um, and, you know, part of the statistics uh, from iPads don't capture, like, the transfer rates we're still working on. But, but we have a Lumina grant on that exact thing. We want people to complete uh, and, uh, and so we're working on that. In fact, um, you know, the state board has a task force looking at uh, workforce development, which you've got to graduate. And, you know, I know we have so much time here, but, uh, but there's a lot of things going on well beyond these. Just this, this topic of technology um, is just one that North Dakota can diversify the economy while it works on these other things. But I'd also say this, and it hasn't been carried too widely, but, you know, the White House sent their senior science technology advisor for a meeting in Bismarck just last week. I mean, that's pretty rare stuff. So you hate to lose an emerging opportunity while sure. we are working these other things. And, and we could talk more about that maybe another time around. Oh, um, sure. Too. And that's and that, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, I was saying, I mean, we can obviously walk and chew gum at the same time, and, and we can do both. But I, it's, it's exciting stuff. Uh, it's emerging stuff, like you say. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of opportunities for our state here, and it's going to be exciting to see what happens next. Mark, thank you for your time. Well, thank you. Talk again soon.
That's uh, North Dakota University System Chancellor Mark Hagerot. I'm Rob Port. You're listening to 970 WDAY FM and or AM and 93.1 FM. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port. We're uh, wrapping up the show. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329 here on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. Jay Thomas show coming up next. I'll be sticking around for the first part of that show, so don't go anywhere. Not that you'd go anywhere anyway, whether I'm sticking around or not, because you know what? Jay Thomas is a pretty fun guy to listen to. Karen is on the line. Karen, what's up? Yes, I've known since the 1970s that if someone from North Dakota wanted to fly a plane or be a doctor, that UND was there to help them do it. And I've always been grateful to UND for that. Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think our institutions of higher education do a pretty good job at providing opportunities. Uh, thanks for the call, Karen. Mike, I, I don't think I'm, I'm obviously been a, a, a pretty sharp critic of, of the universities at times, but I, I think to me, my, my criticism is not their existence so much as just priorities and performance, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I just, I think sometimes we have these priorities. I, I think athletics is sometimes too much of a priority. Um, I think sometimes, uh, you know, these these, you know, business relationships or whatever, or, or just campus expansion or administrative bloat. Those are the priorities as opposed to serving students. I, I think we've gotten I, I don't think any university that has a 25 percent, a four year university with a four year completion rate at about 25 percent is serving its students well. Well, I agree with you. And, and especially when I see some of the issues here at NDSU with the with the lab building, then then those have been documented, right? That there's a safety issue with the lab building. Yet, right. a in the interim, they've built several other buildings. So apparently, this wasn't a big priority. And b if if it was, well, they always they always blame the legislature mm-hmm. for it, right? Yeah. But the thing is, is when they come to the legislature with their budget proposal, like they've already got they they've always got a lot of other stuff that they're also proposing, right? So if, if fixing these other buildings is a priority. Then why didn't you make that a priority in the budget you well, brought right. to the legislature and, and, and fight for that? And you, I don't you fight I, for this funding for all these other things. I don't like hearing that excuse either because right, isn't it their job to make sure the legislative body understands what their priorities are? So well, when they when they, they blame the legislature, it's like, well, you didn't do a good enough job of telling them the the real issues and priorities. Then well, it's it's funny because they want it both ways, right? When 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 they don't want the legislature sticking their nose in, they'll point to the state constitution that essentially sets up the university system as this sort of fourth branch of government where they're independent from just about anybody, right? And they'll, they'll stick their noses in the air and say, oh, you can't tell us what to do. But if something goes wrong and they want to avoid criticism, they'll be like, oh, well, legislature, why didn't you, why didn't you step in and do that? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and look. It's funny how that works. And look, you know, being here in Fargo, you drive by NDSU and you look over and you see some of the – the new campus uh, buildings and you see some of the projects and, and yeah, is there a feel good component to it? Absolutely. But could it be done more efficiently? Could they make better use of the space? Sure. Because even if a building is out of date and, and a safety issue for lab use, well, couldn't you pull all of that material out of there and use it for classroom? I mean, it's still space that can be used. So just at, better at, at job of point, repurposing what you've got. At one point, like a couple years ago, they had, they had like a science building that didn't have running water. Right, they're building they're building some new like athletic center across campus, but yet the science building doesn't have. They're carrying water in buckets, and it's like a fire risk. Like, yeah, how does it even get that far? I I don't I don't understand where our priorities are when that stuff's going on. But I, yeah. I guess I guess that's that's where we're at. Anyway, 
I, I am, though, legitimately excited about some of the things. I, I didn't bring Chancellor Hager out on to dog the university system. I think mm-hmm. I am legitimately excited about some of the things that they're doing. I, You know, I, honestly, I, I'll say I figured when they hired him, you were going to be a naysayer right away. And you've uh, you've come around a little bit. Huh? You're giving him a you're giving him an open mind and a fair shot so far, which I'm trying I'm to see. I'm trying to, to see, see what that. he can do. I'm trying to see what he's doing. And I think I think he has done some stuff. I, I think I think we had a problem. We have a problematic or. He's less so now, but, you know, I, I, I think we, we've got the system's working better. I think we've got some of the personalities within the system in check, and it seems to be working better, but we'll see. Hey, do you see, uh, by the way, do you see this poll with Kid Rock? Uh, totally switching gears. Kid Rock mm-hmm. is, like, leading Debbie Stavenow, senator in the uh, Michigan Senate race. It's is, early, and this poll is from a, a, a polling outfit that I guess is pretty new. I don't know how much. Is this for 2018, Rob? In. Yeah. Okay. Kid Rock, whose real name is Robert. Richie, I yep, think. Rob Richie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's him. I, he's yeah. I guess I guess he's which doesn't surprise me at all. I think this is where America is going. Is politics is just going to be the new reality television? So do you think? Uh, so we could have Senator Kid Rock and President The Rock. I'm I'm waiting till we get like Senator Josh Demel here in Minot or here in uh, North Dakota. He could probably win an election here if he ran I think for anything. He could. I think mm-hmm. I think that's all that matters to most voters anymore, which is which is why our, our good friend Jim Shaw and he has this, you know, he's all up in arms about this uh, initiated measure thing and this commission or whatever. Mm-hmm. Look at the politicians that voters are supporting these days. Donald Trump, Kid Rock, things like this. This is where the electorates run. We really want to be legislating at the ballot box. Most of the voters aren't that well informed. They're not following this stuff. No, I disagree with you there. I, I like initiated measure. And I, I, think I, I think I think they're fine. I just think they should be harder. Well, there's a lot of good examples of uh, you know medical marijuana being one of them, and I think Sunday that, that, Sunday you, openings yeah. is going to be. I, I, I think I think medical marijuana is a shining example of an electorate that that voted to legal. Uh, they voted for legal language to legalize medical marijuana that didn't actually decriminalize medical marijuana. That's the initiated measure process. Mm-hmm. Nobody was paying attention. Yeah, it was. It was not the, the best written policy for sure but people but the, voted for it yep i know it wasn't well written at all it was horribly written it oh, had to be fixed me. by the legislature yeah i know but I, people voted for it anyway yeah that yeah. to me that to me is a shining example of what's wrong with the initiated mm-hmm. measure process but you argue politics with people and right i think people get frustrated not because they they don't like to argue about it but they just they, they don't take time to educate themselves on what's going on and they get that frustrated is, and they don't want to talk about it anymore that is a problem and i, I don't know i mean i don't i don't want to say all voters are I, I just i have a problem with direct democracy I, I think we elect politicians to represent us for a reason and i know we're all really cynical about that for a lot of excellent reasons but the alternative is settling everything at the ballot box and and now we've got people who are barely tuned in who are showing up they're voting randomly we're putting important public policy decisions in their hands you know, I, I, I think our founding That's fathers, how it works, though, Rob. I mean, you know, the 200 voters. plus years ago, our founding fathers 200 plus years ago, you know, were against direct democracy. They, they didn't want to just decide everything on the ballot. You know, that's why we have representative democracy, which is a much different thing. And that's but, frankly, that's what I prefer. But, Rob, you like states handling their own business, right? So in the state of North different. Dakota, they decided that this but is that's the way not they direct democracy. To do it. We have we have representative democracy in the state of North Dakota. We elect legislators. We elect the governor. We elect all sorts of people. But to the, go the and states, this stuff. states are these little laboratories of democracy. And that's and, right. And in North Dakota, they decided the laboratories of representative well, democracy. But no, the democracy in North Dakota decided that this would be the way that people, one way people well, could sometimes, bring sometimes, 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 you know, democracy produces stupid outcomes. We'll have to leave it there, Rob. We got to go. I guess we'll do it. We it's have to go. To Jay Thomas show coming up next. Thanks for listening.